0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, July the 27th, 2023. It is currently 2.14 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. How are you doing today? Doing okay? Is it a good day? Is it a really, 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 really difficult day? I don't know how you're doing. Human emotions can be anywhere. But let me ask you another question. What do you think you need today? Do you think today you need law? Or do you think you need gospel? Now, you know you need law. If you find yourself not only sinning, but comfortable in that sin, happy in that sin, justifying that sin, you're not bothered at all by that sin in any way, shape, or form, then you need to hear the law without any. Without lessening it at all, you need the full strength of God's law to break you, to crush you, to terrify you, to show you your sin, and to make you run and flee to the only hope, which is the gospel. So do you, are you comfortable in your sin, happy, almost proud of your sin today? Then you need to hear the law of God. Or do you find yourself today terrified broken Humbled, humiliated over your sin. Well, then you need the sweetness of the gospel. You need to hear that Christ has done it for you, and that you can rest in Him. That you can find peace. That you can find hope. Because the only certainty we have in this life is the gospel of Christ. We, the only hope we, the only certainty we can find in life is in who God is and what He has done for us. There we can find hope. There we can have. We can find certainty. I. Can can have complete certainty in my salvation. I don't have certainty about anything else. Everything else can be horrible and traumatic and difficult, but I can find some rest, some peace, some comfort. That in Christ it is finished. Everything is done. My salvation has been paid for. I have been, uh, that his righteousness has been imputed to me. So I stand perfect. I can rest in that. Nothing else in life. You, oh, everything else is, can be so complicated, but life, it, knowing what I have in Christ can bring peace even in a time of great turmoil. So hopefully today if you need gospel, you will f- you will remember what Christ has done for you. If you find yourself today proud and arrogant and comfortable in your sin, you know you need the law of God and you need to be broken and humbled in that. Law and gospel. We we constantly have to determine not only what we need, but sometimes what other people need as well. And we always have to be willing to give the law in its full strength and then offer the gospel in its full sweetness. Law and gospel. We have been talking about it now for a very long time. We started this series in October of 2022. We've done probably well over 80 hours, probably even over 90 hours of teaching on trying to help people understand the proper distinction between law and gospel. We've been utilizing the book, God's No and God's Yes by C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther. We have been working on it. We made it to like thesis number, the the book contains like 25 theses, trying to help you understand the proper distinction between law and gospel. And in these theses, what we have, we we covered like up to number 11. And then we, we kind of, I was up to, it was my own failure. I, you know, I kind of, I don't know. I messed up somewhere and then realized maybe we need kind of a reset, a redo. So then I stumbled upon Issues ETC. It's a Lutheran radio program. I've been listening to them forever. Issues, etc. And I realized they're doing their own kind of study of the proper distinction between law and gospel using CFW Walther. So I'm like, okay, we'll kind of restart our series in a sense, redo our series by working through their coverage of these 25 theses, at least up to number 11 or number 12, where we stopped, then we can just kind of then pick up the series right there. By doing this, it helps offer a refresher. It helps put a reminder in everyone's mind, and hopefully it is beneficial. Now, the only problem is, we are utilizing Issues ETC, which is wonderful and great. It offers something to offer critique, explanation, agreement, disagreement, clarification, which is wonderful. It's just a, makes it easy to kind of redo this and, and get us to back to where we need to be. The only problem is it's a radio program. So they have all their segments are broken down into these little like short segments and then they go into a commercial. So what we're doing is we're only for each episode and our Law and Gospel redo, what we're doing is we're taking their little small segment and we are kind of, that's what we're reviewing. So it's making these episodes shorter, but in some ways that's a good thing because I'm trying get everyone back on the same page. I'm trying to remind you, and you cannot be reminded enough about the proper distinction between law and gospel because most of American Christianity has so destroyed the proper distinction between law and gospel that what people are actually getting is law masquerading, disguised as gospel, and that is detrimental and devastating to your spiritual life. Okay. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to review. We got this last segment of this episode of uh, of issues, etc. It's probably no more than ten minutes long, maybe a little bit more. So this is going to go fast. This, th- these, I, I I always I dislike when we get to this part of of, of one of these episodes because it's just so kind of, it doesn't flow so well, so I have to do a little bit longer with my introduction. So, um, but hopefully it will be beneficial. I will at least do this. They have covered two theses so far. Here's what they've covered so far. Thesis, theses are thesis number one, the doctrinal contents of the entire Holy Scriptures. Both of the Old and the New Testament are made up of two doctrines differing fundamentally from each other, law and gospel. That is thesis number one. The doctrinal contents of the entire Bible, both of the Old and New Testament, are made up of two doctrines. They differ fundamentally from each other. That's law and gospel. Thesis number two is... Only he is an orthodox teacher who not only presents all the articles of faith in accordance with scripture, but also rightly distinguishes from each other law and gospel. That is thesis number two. That is what they're talking about on issues ETC. And we're going to now listen to this last segment. It's very short. Hopefully it will be beneficial to you. And uh, we'll keep working on it. Now, maybe after this episode is over, I may come back and do another episode because I want to respond to an email with someone struggling with some law and gospel issues. And so they sent me a long email. They're having a hard time, Uh I guess, how some people may abuse this doctrine. And uh we'll talk about it. I was going to add that email to this episode, but I want to do it separate so that all the, the law and gospel redos will be simply us reviewing the audio from Issues A D C, trying to offer some kind of consistency so that you know what you're looking for when you see all of the content in the series, uh, law, um, Understanding Law and Gospel. And you can find that series on the Sermons 2.0 app, do a search for Theology Central, or the Church One app, do a search for Theology Central if you download the Church One app. Choose us, and then look for our series on understanding law and gospel. You'll find all the content there. So are you ready? Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do some review. Here we go.
1: Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. It's part two of our series on CFW Walter's Law and Gospel Theses. So here's a a little illustration. I've used it many times before here on the air. From my own experience, this was back in my college days. I was pre-seminary. So that meant they were trying to teach me to do proper exegesis, that is, biblical interpretation on a text. We were all assigned a text. We're supposed to do word studies and we're supposed to mm-hmm. take the thing apart and outline it and diagram sentences, do everything, go thoroughly into the text. Now, this was in English because at the time I was still not proficient in Greek. It wasn't seminary. yet. So I did the thing. I wrote it up. I had all my application. And then at the very end, I had written, I would made a beautiful statement of the gospel. Then I'd written, we have only to believe, period. That's how I ended the thing. And I got it back. I still remember the dorm room and the time of day when I read this. He had written nothing at the top of the page. And then he had just, with red, marked out the sentence, we have only to believe, written a large no with an exclamation point. And I think when I went and talked to him, he said, you gave everything and then you took it away by laying the onus upon your hearer. We have only to believe. And I said, what should I have said? He said, believe it. That's what it should have said. Believe it. Believe it.
2: It's yours. Yeah, I love that. That's actually really said, great. That pronoun at the beginning ruined the whole thing. And, and that, to me, gets at what uh, Walter talks about when he says, the principal thing I have to tell a person when explaining to him how he can become righteous is that I announce to him the free case of God, concealing nothing, saying none other things to him than what God says in the gospel. He has this, a hedge must be made around Mount Sinai, but not around Golgotha. At the latter place, all the wrath of God has been appeased. There is no hedge around Golgotha. And I think that's what your prof was saying to you. Hey, Todd, I think you just tried to put a fence there at the bottom of Golgotha. It's like, don't do that. Come up and believe
1: it. It's yours. Again, I want to guard against a misconception, and that is having talked about what the law has to say, that all it can do is show us our sins when it comes to our works. When we take our works and we lay them Mm -hmm. alongside the Ten Commandments, the only information we can garner from this is that these works do not Measure measure up.
0: This is so important. In the evangelical mind, you look at your works, you look at your actions, and they somehow prove your righteousness. But if you're honest with your works and you lay it next to God's law, they will only show you how far you fall short. The evangelical mind is like, look to yourself and it will prove righteousness. It will prove you've received Christ. No, if I take my works and lay them next to God's law, it will only prove I need Christ's righteousness because mine is insufficient. I don't understand how to get that point through the minds of most Christians. They're like, "What? no, what proves your salvation is your works. But if I took my works and laid them next to the law, it would not prove my salvation. It would condemn me to an eternity in hell. My works next to God's law equals condemnation, not assurance. Okay, the, the, My works next to God's law does not lead to assurance. It shows me how f- much of a failure I am. And I, I, I don't know how, like, how do I, how do I have assurance, Pastor? Well, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? Okay, those are, that's law. All right, now let me take my works and lay it next to God's law. Guess what the answer will be? You can't have any assurance. You're going to hell. You're not saved because you're looking for the wrong thing. To, you're looking to the law to give assurance. The law can't give assurance. The law screams at you. You are guilty. You do not do the right thing. You fail. And so the law, then, so then you're like, well, what do I, where do I find assurance? In the words, it is finished in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He kept the law. He paid for your failure to keep the law. And by faith, his keeping of the law and his righteousness is imputed to you. Now you stand in Christ perfect. There There is your assurance. Your assurance is not found in what you do or don't do. Your assurance is found in what Christ accomplished. The law can – your works next to God's law will only show you how far you have fallen short. Right, right. But
1: but some have concluded that while the law always accuses – and that's what we're talking about here – that it's – some have concluded that the law only accuses. That's, yeah. that's all the law does. It's, it, it's the only
2: useful thing it does. So it doesn't have any informative use in the Christian's life, and that's really dangerous. One of the beautiful things the Lutheran confessions do is to use the law of God itself as a way of investigating whether or not a given action is it itself a God-pleasing action. Does God
0: – Now, this is important. There is another use of the law. All right. This is important. The law, Anytime you take your works and put it next to the law, you're going to be condemned. But the law also has another function. It informs you to know whether your action is right or wrong. Like whenever whatever action you're engaged in, you can lay it next to God's law. And what is it going to tell you? Is it going to say right or is it going to, it's going to tell you that it is wrong. Now, when it is wrong, you should be broken over that. Understanding your only hope for forgiveness is Christ. And then hopefully you try to pursue then a different action because you know, God's laws, God's law tells you that action is wrong. It is informative. There is, it informs. Now it's going to always inform that you don't do it, but it does inform. And we are to, hopefully that changes our way of thinking about what is right and about what is wrong.
2: I'd want you to do X or Y. The law is a beautiful statement of what the will of God is for every human being. Summary, yes, that your entire life be love but love in the specific shape God has described in the Ten Commandments. That is his will for his people. And so in addition to always being condemning, the law at the same time also informs the believer about actions which would be God-pleasing. And that's an important uh, use of the law that, that that, well, Walter's going to deal with it as we work our way through the theses. It'll come back time and again.
1: What more does Walter have to say before he gets to the third
2: thesis, which we may have time for here? Walter says that, uh, first of all, to contrite hearts, not the threats of the law, but the oil of evangelical consolation must be administered. So a contrite heart, remember, is a heart that's been terrified by the law of God, that knows that it's under God's wrath and judgment if it stands apart from Christ, and therefore, that's a heart that has no hope of its own. To such a heart, the comfort of the gospel is what is to be administered. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Walter cites from Matthew 11, verse 5. Now, when I know that a person is not, he says, in a condition to have the gospel preached to him, then I must not proclaim it to him. But when I speak in public— The situation is different. This is what he's trying to get across to these young men. When you talk in your sermon, you have to take into consideration chiefly the elect children of God. Yes, you still have to preach the law even then. And he says, frankly, a sermon that doesn't have any law at all is worthless. You can throw it away. It's not going to do what God wants it to do. But in every gathering of people, there will always be impenitent persons and they will need to hear that law and have their uh, sleep of sin be terrified and awakened from. But he says, anyone who on being admonished promptly says, oh, bosh, that doesn't concern me, shows that his heart has not yet been crushed. But then he wants to go on and, you know, again, he's quoting Gerhardt, where he says, you know, it really is important that you have to preserve the purity of the gospel in your preaching, because woe to the person who injects any kind of poison into the doctrine of justification, because th- by doing that, he says, he poisons the well God has dug for man's salvation. So,
0: that's the question in your church. Are they injecting poison into the doctrine of justification by adding law? Are they injecting the poison of law in the gospel, therefore taking away the well that has been dug for people to find thirst and comfort? You cannot inject law into the gospel without poisoning it. You take the well that you can drink freely from and never thirst again, and you put poison in it so people drink and they are crushed and die under the law.
2: Whoever takes this doctrine away from anyone robs him of everything. He guts Christianity, rips the heart out of it so that it ceases to pulsate after that attack. The ladder for mounting up to heaven is taken away. There's no hope of saving man. So, I mean, that's really pretty strong warning. It's like, you, you got to preach the law, be a shadow of doubt. But if you fail to preach the gospel, you have failed more fundamentally than simply failing to preach the law. Woe to him who says that he must contribute something toward his own salvation. He deprives Christ of his entire merit. For Jesus is called the Savior, not the helper toward salvation, such as preachers are. Jesus has achieved our entire salvation. And that, he said, is why we were so determined in dealing with the whole controversy about predestination that, that shook the early Missouri Senate. We wouldn't yield on that because that was very, very important not to allow, well, exactly what your professor was warning against. Don't let something – what Dr. Nagel always called that, the aliquid in homine, the someplace in man – be the determinant of what is salvation and what is not. Our salvation is whole and entire and in Christ. It is external. And that is what makes it sure and lasting. And that's the only way it can be a lasting comfort to a conscience that is afflicted.
0: In a sense, our salvation is external. It's outside of us. We don't impact our salvation because our ins- our, our salvation is given—it's by an imputed righteousness. It's by the finished work of Christ. It's not what we do or don't do. It's what Christ did. That's so— fundamental and so fundamentally forgotten. And, and even though people will say, no, 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 we believe that. It's always like, we believe that and then just wait. We believe, we believe we're saved by salvation, uh, by grace alone, faith alone, because of Christ alone. And you just wait, just wait, just keep looking at them and they'll say, but, however, and then they'll start telling you all the things you need to do.
2: Because it's a perfect keeping of the law
1: and it's yours. It's credited to you. So this example he cites of the predestinarian controversy early in Lutheranism, he essentially says, as you just said, it was a matter of law and gospel because there were some who wanted to teach that God would eternally elect someone because of something he saw, foresaw, in that person, and that robs
2: Christ of, as well-intentioned as they were, it robs Christ of his glory. Absolutely. I mean, it's like God looking ahead and seeing the work and knowing you were going to do the work, He then justifies you on the basis of that work, or He decides that you will be justified on the basis of that work. And that indeed makes believing into a work that is meritorious. And that is not how the scriptures teach us about either God's election or about the nature of faith itself.
0: So, how would you say? We'll interrupt there and in that. This gets into a lot of uh, arguments amongst Calvinists and non-Calvinists. Some non-Calvinists will say, okay, yeah, I know the Bible talks about election, but election is co- according to foreknowledge. So what they, be- they believe is that God foresees that you are going to believe, that you're going to do this. And because he foresees that, then that's when he elects you. But he's foreseeing what you're going to do. Well, that makes your salvation based off what you do. No, election is God choosing you, not because he foresees something in you, not because he foresees what you will do. He chooses you because of his own sovereign choice. And then he is the one who does everything he sent his son. His son died and paid for your sins. Your son obeyed the law for you. And then God then gives you faith. He gives you the change of mind. He then imputes the righteousness of Christ to you. It's all the work of God from eternity past all the way down to your salvation, all the way to your glorification. It is God who saved you. All of salvation is of God. Now, we could get into a whole discussion about how sanctification works or doesn't work. And who I know there's lots of different agreements, but when it comes to justification, it is God who justifies. Not man. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what Christ did. It is done for us. You cannot inject any law into the gospel without poisoning it. I cannot stress that. And even though you don't, may not realize you're drinking poison, it may, but sooner or later, look, look, this is when you know you've, dr- this is how you know. You're drinking poison is when you constantly feel like, I don't know if I'm saved. I, I, am I sure I'm saved? I, I, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Am I doing If you are honest with your life in the light of God's law, you know, you're a lost. And so you you're drinking poison. If you think you can try harder, do more. No, that's poison. The, the right message is run to Christ in him. It is complete. It is done. It is finished. Rest. Be at peace. Because God saved you because of the work of his son. It is perfect. It is complete. It is finished. It is done. Period. Now, if someone is still arrogant and holding on to their sin and they will not repent of their sin, then they need to hear the law so that they will be broken. But when they're broken, then I need the gospel because that's the only hope. All right, now let's let him finish this up.
1: Summarize what we've said here today and then give us a little preview of what's coming next time when we get into Thesis 3.
2: Walter summarizes from Gerhardt that if we don't keep these two things straight, these two doctrines straight in the way that we're preaching them, the result is that consciences are going to be confused. You're going to lead people to not be certain of their salvation. Gerhardt, by the way, is very careful to avoid carnal security You know, that's God loves to forgive, I love to sin, such a deal. Gerhard is death on that. He warns against that. That is deadly and spiritually, it's nothing but spiritual poison. But on the contrary, he does want you to be absolutely certain of your salvation because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he he wants to make sure that no matter what you – when you look at your good works, they will always come up short. You'll never be able to look at them and say, well, God, this is why you should have mercy on me because look what I did. You're going to always look at your works and say, oh, God, have mercy. Please have mercy on me for the sake of Christ and forgive me everything that is lacking in my good works. And that's what, uh, what, what Gerhardt really uh, pushes toward and Walter uh, rejoices in that. The next thesis we'll look at mentions that, that you know keeping these things straight is really difficult. It's the highest art a Christian can do in general, and especially for theologians in particular. And he adds, you only really learn it when the Holy Spirit is your teacher in the school of experience. So we'll unpack what that means. So clearly, it's it's an experiential thing, and I think he's absolutely right on that. Pastor Will
1: Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. He formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the book Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. He hosts a 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. He's leading a study this week on the resurrection, the road to Emmaus, Jesus Appears to His Disciples, and the Ascension in Luke chapter 24. And one week from today, he'll begin a new study on the book of Acts. Listen at your convenience at thewordendures.org, the LPR mobile app, or your favorite podcast provider. Will, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. When we come back, it's our...
0: And there you have it. I told you it was a short segment. I told you. Uh, but that that's the way we're doing this. We're breaking it down. And hopefully that is very, 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 very helpful. I cannot express to you the significance of this proper understanding of law and gospel. I, I cannot express to you how important it is. So It's so important. And uh, well, there you have it. Oh, please know. So thesis number two, let me just read it to you one more time. Only he is an orthodox teacher who not only presents all the articles of faith in accordance with scripture, but rightly distinguishes from each other law and gospel. It's not orthodox teaching if there's not a proper distinction between law and gospel. It's that, just that simple. It's poison. It's poison. And I know that seems in some people's mind, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. It can't be. There's got to be some room for other. I know when it comes to this subject, I I I just, I don't, at least in my mind, there's no compromise. Like there's, there, there are some issues maybe, but this one I just think is so detrimental because you destroy the gospel and any, and look, I mean, if, if you destroy the gospel, what do you have left? You have law, and law can't save anybody. Law cannot comfort anybody. Law only breaks and humbles. Law, in a sense, kills. All right? Okay, uh, good. Thank you. Some uh, Someone just said... Uh well, one person said, thankful my salvation is eternal, amen, so, or external, I should say, and it is eternal. And then someone else said, great episode, so helpful to hear the nuances. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Trying to make the nuances in these short segments is okay. But what we're going to do, because I want to make it its own episode, I got this long email with someone basically said, well, wait a minute, if we're saved basically by the gospel, then... What, what do we say to people who basically were like, well, if I'm saved by the gospel, I can do whatever I want kind of thing. Uh, We will at least discuss that. I don't know if I have good, because here's the thing. We want to answer that without destroying the gospel. (laughs) Okay. That's what we, because typically people answer those kinds of questions by destroying the gospel. So we got to be careful on how to do that. So I'm going to dedicate an entire broadcast to that. Maybe we'll do that here in just a second, because I'd like to just kind of, I don't know. Get some of the broadcasting done and then take a, a break for the rest of the day. All right. I think my my head tells me that is what I need to do. All right. So, but there, I wanted to at least finish that. Hopefully that was beneficial. Hopefully that was helpful. Again, look, you don't have to wait for me. Go to Issues ETC, Issues ETC, and by all means uh, – Okay. All right. Someone says, I got to hurry back. They only have a, uh, an hour drive before they get home. Okay. I will hurry right back. I will hurry right back. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, when they get home, they're like, I'm done with you. Minute I walk through the front door, I don't have any more time for Theology Central. Okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to make it quick. I will try to make it quick. All right. But uh, go to uh, if you go to issuesetc.org, Issuesetc.org. That's Issuesetc.org. They do have a thing on there where you can find a church and there you could find a a, a Lutheran Missouri Synod church that would be in line with a proper distinction between law and gospel. I mean, look, I disagree with a Lutheran church when it comes to infant baptism so much that I would have major issues there, but I guess if you have nowhere else to go and nothing else—I mean, you don't know what else to do, you could at least go visit a Lutheran Missouri Synod and uh, at least um, hear uh, what maybe it sounds like to hear a sermon that is having long gospel, even just for the experience. You can see the liturgy, experience the liturgy, and then hear what a a sermon sounds like. Now, we could criticize some Lutheran preaching. Trust me. We (laughs) could— We can seriously do that because when I was a Lutheran, there were some parts of it. I'm like, I love everything, but about a 15 or 20 minute sermon, maybe if I was lucky, 25 minute sermon a week. I'm like, I'm starving to death here, people. I was, I I called every Lutheran church I could find. Like, could you just do something? Could you have a church service at least maybe more than once a week? Okay. But um, yeah. And then, yeah. There you go. But eh, you know, you can go to issues ETC if you just have never heard like, so what does a Lutheran sermon sound like? That's that's committed. To the, now you got to make sure it's a conservative Lutheran church, which would be Missouri Synod, I think, Wisconsin Synod, the uh, Lutheran Church, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America (ELCA). That is a liberal theological mess. You don't even want to get any. You don't. If you're even driving near one, you just want to back your car up and go down a different street because who knows? Like, I mean, that is a mess, and I, and I was a part of that for a short period of time, because I didn't know anything else about Lutherans. I'm like, it's a Lutheran church. It's got to be the same. And nope. Missouri Synod is where I was uh, given Lutheran's, uh, Luther's catechism, the Augsburg Confession. That's where we really, that's where I really started learning theology. It was my Lutheran pastor who really taught me theology. And so I'm so grateful for my time in the Lutheran church. I just, man, they could just get rid of that infant baptism doctrine. It would be so perfect in so many ways, but yeah, but yeah, there you go. Issues, etc. Subscribe to their podcast and you know, look everything up. All right, um, okay, good. Someone says they love the law and gospel distinction. I man, I I can't even express to you. I I wish I I wish I would have caught on when I first heard it. When I first heard it, I didn't really get it. It didn't ring a bell. I didn't really get it, right? And then it took a long time because I thought – because I was so indoctrinated because, I mean, as a new Christian, all I ever heard was lordship. So I, that's how I was trying to process my Christianity. And then I, So then I had to convince myself, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But I was convincing myself I was doing it by not laying my works next to God's law because if I would have laid my works next to God's law, it would have become obvious that I wasn't doing it and I would have been broken. All right. Someone says it helps their sanity. Amen to that. Man, if you, you lose your mind trying to, to convince yourself that you're doing it or, or, or you you start dealing with the fact, what is wrong with me? All I ever do is sin. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. What is wrong with, I'm, I'm so messed up. And at least in Christ, I can, I can hear it is finished I'm the one who justifies. Find rest in me. And that is, man, that is the greatest news ever. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll be right back. I'm gonna I'm gonna hurry because I gotta make sure I can get the next episode in before someone's drive time is over, right? We'll be back in about maybe 10 minutes. Thanks for listening. This is new. This is news if you can email me at news at yahoo.com at newsif at yahoo.com. And uh, yes, someone just said, I, I, just, I just am tired of always wondering if I'm saved. Well, stop wondering and rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's how you know you're saved. That is certain. Nothing else is certain in life. Everything else is filled with uncertainty. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ today. What rest? In, look to the cross. Don't look to you. Don't look to your emotions. Don't look to your feelings. Look to the cross and know he has done it. All right? He has done it. So, so important. So important. All right. Again, you can email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. We'll be back in just a few. Thanks for listening. God bless.